Revelation chapter 12 this morning. Revelation chapter 12 this morning, page 1095, if you're using the Bible, so that are provided there by the church. And last week, we began a message I've entitled The Demonic War Against America. And what we're seeing in our land is not just the result of pent-up frustration and a striving for equal rights, but deeper than that, it is a demonic ploy to see our our nation uh, destabilized so the devil can bring chaos and destruction to our land. We open to a passage in Revelation where we see a future great war in heaven in which Satan is cast out of heaven for the final time during the tribulation period and where he will unleash his total wrath on the earth. But from this, we're going to see some descriptions of the devil and his tactics of how he wars continually, not just then, but he wars continually across this world. And then we're going to see some application of how he's doing that today in America. We haven't done this in a few weeks, but if you are physically able, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Let's pray. Father, speak your word to us today. Holy Spirit, teach your truth to us. Speak deeply to our hearts. If there's one listening today that doesn't know you, that cannot overcome by the blood of the Lamb, today would be the day they'd be saved. Enlighten us, Father. Open our eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, since the fall of Satan from heaven originally, and you can read about this in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, There has actually been a spiritual war in heavenly places. We read about it last week in Ephesians 6, 12, where we read that verse that says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is a spiritual war going on around us and above us in the heavenly places. But since that fall from heaven, interestingly, Satan still has had access to heaven. Now, I don't understand that, but it's true from the scriptures. You see it in the book of Job. Satan came before God to accuse Job. Uh, he, He tempts us. Even in this text that we read here today, did you notice in verse 10, it says that the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before our God day and night. He accuses us before our God day and night. So Satan has access to God. And... We even see this, that he asked for certain people. We read this in Luke 22. Jesus said this to Peter. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The devil has to ask, thank the Lord, the devil has to ask. He doesn't have free reign, but sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, but sometimes he allows the devil to sift us. Peter certainly went through a sifting time. Peter would tell us that the devil walks about seeking whom he may devour. He walks on this earth seeking to devour people. He does that through the natural lostness of all people that were born in sin. The devil oppresses people. I believe even Christian people can be oppressed. There can be demonic oppression against us through our thoughts and our fears and uh, our, our addictions. But even more than that, folks, and I believe this is still true today, is the devil does possess people. There are individuals that the devil has taken control of and he possesses them. Not just in Jesus' day, but even in our day. 
But not only does the devil war against individuals, he wars against families, he wars against churches, he wars against cities. Revelation 2.13 tells us that Pergamos is the place where Satan's throne is. So Jesus told these people that the devil has a certain power, a certain control over your city. Now just think about what you see in American cities today. Is it not demonic? Are we not seeing the devil has his throne in some of our large cities in America and in the world? We find that he wages war against nations, as we'll see in just a moment. And he wages war against the overall body of Christ all through time. And even in this tribulation period, in fact, uh, during this time, the church has been raptured. And the, the people of God on earth are these believing Jews. Now look at the end of this chapter, verse 17. If you have your Bible still open, Revelation 12, 17, look what it says. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, that's Israel. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. These Jews who are believing Jews. This enemy seeks to war against them. Look at verse 7 of the next chapter. Chapter 13, verse 7. This is speaking of the Antichrist. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. The devil fighting against God's people. Satan's at war in this land, and he wants to destroy nations, and particularly, I believe, America. Now, last week, we gave you the thesis of this message for these two weeks, and it is this. The devil uses deception to create division and bring destruction. The devil uses deception. He deceives. In this text, we read, verse 9, that he deceives the whole world. Here in the Revelation, it says, the devil who deceives the whole world. The Bible says he's the God of this age. 1 John 5, 19 says it this way. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The, the uh, influence, the persuasion of the wicked one. The whole world lies under it. And then when you get to Revelation 20, if you want to turn there, just mark your place here. I want to show you something in Revelation 20. When God goes to bind Satan for a thousand years during the millennial reign of Jesus, Revelation 20, look at this. Revelation 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So when Jesus reigns on this earth in millennial kingdom for a thousand years, the devil will be bound for 1,000 years. But notice verse 3. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So during that thousand-year reign... People won't be dealing with the lies of the devil. Jesus will rule. They'll have the opportunity to hear the truth. And still, people will not always, all people won't believe. Now down in verse 7, look what it says. This is at the end of the thousand years. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations. That's what he does always. And our, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Now listen to this. To gather them together to battle whose number is as of the sand of the seas. Devil are going, the devil's going to deceive, deceive men and nations and lead them into a battle even against God. Revelation chapter 12 now. You can turn back there. Now, with that in mind, I want to just remind you a little bit of what we touched on last week so we can get our launch into this week's message. We talked last week about the deceptive message that Satan has been sowing and it is basically today in our country that America is a racist, oppressive, evil country, always has been and always will be. And it's, that seed has been sown across people, across people of different backgrounds, ethnicities, and many, many people, particularly our younger generation, has been taught this and at least wonder if this is true. Some believe it. The second thing we saw was the dividing me methods. This, the devil is using methods to, devise a, to divide us. And we've talked about things that have happened uh, over this series of messages when we talked about racism. And the devil certainly has used racism to create a great cultural divide. But last week we talked about things like cultural Marxism, this belief that the, there's a ruling class of the oppressors, which are, we believe in, which they teach as white people who have all the power 
and the oppressed groups, the races, the genders, and on and on. We talked about identity politics, how our politics don't bring us together, but they divide us even more. We're not a United States. We're a group of people that live within these boundaries, but we're divided. And then silence opposition to shut the people up who do not agree with us, to hush the people who have an opposing viewpoint. This is this dividing method. And today we want to talk about the third thing, the destructive means. What is the devil doing right now to destroy us? What's happening? And we see it in our world if we'll open our eyes and ask the, ask the Lord to give us wisdom, to ask the Lord to open our eyes that we might see the things before us. Well, when we think about means, we often think about invisible demonic forces. And certainly the devil uses the demons, the visible, invisible demonic forces. But you need to understand the devil uses visible earthly forces. And the devil's means are like God's in a sense. See, the devil uses people. He uses people. He uses their ideas. He uses their words. And he uses their actions. God uses people. God uses people, God used people to, to write down his word. God uses people to form his church. God used people to take the gospel. God uses you to be a witness. God uses you to teach your class or to teach children or to minister to someone. God uses people. Well, unfortunately, we need to understand the devil uses people as well. He uses their their ideas, their words, and their actions. Jesus, when confronting the Pharisees that wanted to kill him in John 8, 44, he said this, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Murderers are of their father the devil. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a, a liar and the father of it. The devil fathers lies, and he uses liars. Now, the devil uses people, and what he does is he has these plans and these means that he wants to put into place to destroy any nation. Now, no, and I say this is demonic because, listen, there's no group of people could do what I'm going to show you is happening in America. There's no one group of people could make all this come together. It has to be demonically inspired because this is not some little plot it's through all of our culture, it's at every level, and it's going on right before our very eyes. So the devil places his people in places where he can comp accomplish his means. So how does he do this? Well, four things. Number one, infiltration. Infiltration. There must be an infiltration into the cultural positions of power to overthrow any culture. And the devil has placed people who uh, he uses to promote his destructive heresies, his... Uh, dividing philosophies and these people have infiltrated our culture at every level folks let me give you some ideas politicians and governments it's easy to talk about politicians and talk about the devil in the same voice at the same time I know but but this really is serious this really is serious we have people in our government Marxists that have found their way into every political level of our society the Marxists are involved, or some are Republicans, and, and the Democratic Party pretty much is a cultural Marxist party. The devil has his foothold there. In our government, we have people in places, in, our, in, in uh, cities where governments and mayors and governors are more concerned that they stand with the rioters than with the citizens of the city. Why is that? Why is that? It's godlessness it's lawlessness the devil is a lawless one this is why you can set up things like Chaz or chop or whatever it was in seattle an autonomous zone and, and people can die there and the government sets back and lets them do it because it's lawlessness the devil is a lawless one his people are lawless people we have it in our judges and our prosecutors there are marxists at every level of our court system people who do not believe our Constitution look at the Supreme Court this week this week the Supreme Court ruled that the Nevada cases I don't know if you know about the Nevada churches Nevada governor put out a uh, an order or whatever saying that churches could meet 50 people as large as groups they could have no matter the size of their building 
They could have a building that could seat 5,000 people. You can only have 50. But casinos could have 50% of their capacity at all times. So if they could hold, if they could hold 5,000, they could have 2,500. If the church could hold 5,000, they could have 50. The Nevada churches took it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the governor. It, it's, that's, un, that's just a slap in the face of the Constitution. Just ripped the First Amendment right out of the Constitution. Do you think they're going to rule for us in the, in, in the days to come? You can't get that right. That's a simple, that's a simple solution. Nobody with a law degree needs to, needs to decide that. Read the First Amendment, look at the facts, say, oh, well, that's easy. But not if the devil has you. Look at this prosecutor over in St. Louis where they kick the, the gates down and come to these people's private property. These people take their guns out to protect themselves for they're afraid. Prosecutor, prosecutor confiscates their guns and charges them. Why? Because she has a Marxist worldview. And in her worldview, the criminals are victims and the victims become criminals. What about professors and educators? Marxism entered America in the 1930s at Columbia University and it spread across college campuses, universities, and even public schools. And the more prestigious of a school, the more likely your children will be faced with Marxism. The more prestigious, the higher up. And listen, I, I've not been to these schools when I say this, but I'm just going to give it as an example. For, for example, most likely this is how it works. KU and K-State would be more Marxist than Emporia State. That's just how it works. And it's all across America at every level of education. Sadly, I hate to say this, pastors and churches. The church has been infiltrated since the early days in America of people who began to preach things like the social gospel. In the 1930s, the social gospel began to be preached in America. And here's a, ba a, a Baptist theologian named Walter Rashenbush preached a famous sermon in which he used this line, individualism means tyranny. Why? Because he believed that the gospel preached socialism that, and it was against capitalism and, and an individual who declared, I have rights and these are my things, was greedy and selfish. And so he firmly believed that the church should promote a form of Christian socialism. And guess what happened? Many, many churches went down that path. There's many mainline denominations 100 years ago you could line up Methodists and Presbyterians and Baptists and in many ways we would sound just alike. But what happened was they went down this rabbit trail of social gospel and they moved from the gospel of individual sin and individual consequences and the individual need for repentance and salvation to where we're going to fix society's ills and society's poverties and society's hurts. That's why Jesus has us here that we can fix all people's problems. Today we have the social justice warriors who believe that instead of preaching the gospel and the gospel is not individual sin, but we must fight racism and we must fight the mistreatment of the disadvantaged. And not only do people want equality, they want not equality of opportunity. They want equality of outcome. Which means if you get a better outcome, then we need to take from you to level the playing field. And... Christians have taught this, or so-called Christians. Today, the emphasis is going to be over the next few years, and it already is, that the church needs to focus more on diversity and inclusion and equality than the gospel. I, I'm all for it. Let's include everybody in hearing the gospel. Everybody's a sinner equally. Everybody needs to get saved equally. I believe God so loved the world equally. I believe God will save whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. I believe God will forgive any sinner equally. I don't care what color you are, what situation you are. Jesus died for you. He can save you. I'm willing to tell you. I'm willing to share it with you. I'm willing to love you. And that's my inclusion. And that's my equality for everybody, for everybody. Then media and entertainment. Social media is included. Actually, social media really is included. <laughs> Think about social media. That Watch the stories about the algorithms and how they put certain things out and they shut certain things down. They, they let you see certain things they want you to see and they keep you from seeing certain things they don't want you to see, certain messages. Even though they may not take it down, it's been proven they find ways to limit it where you can't get your message out. The media... Uh, are full of Marxists and progressives. They've, they've infiltrated our media at local and national levels. Most of the news you watch is a form of propaganda. Listen, 
COVID-19 is a big propaganda machine. It's real. People are dying. I'm not saying that. But the news reports it in a way with an end in mind. And that end is not to inform you, but to direct you. Hollywood has long since been controlled by the Marxists. Advertisers have long since been doing more than selling their products. Advertisers have been promoting worldviews for years and years and years. Advertisers have a strategy. If they put something in front of you long enough, if you see it long enough, if you hear it long enough, if they make it funny, this is what TV does in movies, they make ungodly things funny. They desensitize us to the truth of what God says. So we watch this stuff. We see it in movies over and over. Think about the hundreds and millions of hours people spend watching TV, watching movies, looking at the Internet, and the small little time they get of the Bible. And it's just they've infiltrated every level of our society. That leads to the second thing that the devil does, and that is indoctrination. After you place your indoctrinated ones in the position of cultural influence, then you use them to indoctrinate the nations. How does Satan deceive the nations? Through people that he places in specific positions. He does not just some magic thing. The devil just sends out a, a wave of, of uh, lies over the air and we just pick it up. No, he uses people. He, those he has indoctrinated, he uses to indoctrinate others. It can be politicians who pass laws, set agendas, give speeches, judges and prosecutors who enforce or undermine law, professors and educators who misinform the mind and therefore the conscience, pastors and churches who mislead the soul and the heart and the media who daily drive home the message. 1 Timothy 4, 1 says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrines aren't just found in the church, folks. Doctrines are found in your commercials. Doctrines are found on your TV shows. Now, the devil uses many means, but I want to give you three that have been very prevalent in our past and are really Two of them particularly are really prevalent right now. One of them, the first one is this, corrupted science. It began strongly with the teaching of evolution over creation, and that became a reason not just for racism. And we talked about that, how evolution gave the racists an opportunity to use science to validate their white supremacy or their race supremacy over the African slave race, as they called it, or it was corrupted science. But listen, it did much more than that. What, what evolution did was sow a distrust for the Bible in the hearts of people. See, the two contradict each other. If you believe one and you follow one and you follow out what it teaches, you have to reject the other. They contradict each other, not just at the beginning, but at the continuation. As they continue on, creation and evolution reject each other and no matter how people have tried to reconcile the two there's really no reconciliation so people chose the word of man over the word of God in many of the churches the denominations that went liberal in America like I was saying earlier you can go back and look at some of the literature of denominations that today would be liberal like the United Methodists and some of the Presbyterians hundred years ago their writings and preachings looked a lot like Baptist writings and preaching what happened? Well, we, we went down a, 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 this road of social justice, social gospel, and we went down this road of higher criticism of the scriptures and accepting of things like evolution. And so they chose the word of man over the word of God, and they're still doing it today. So Christian parents have to ask themselves about this science. What is my children learning when they go to school? And you think, well, it's okay they go to church. They go to Sunday school one hour a week, maybe. Most don't get one hour a week. They go to this 40 hours a week. You have to ask yourself, what am I allowing my children to be, learn, to be taught? By the way, corrupted science certainly hasn't ended at evolution. And once you corrupt it, you can keep corrupting it. Climate science is corrupted science. Why is it corrupted? Because it has an agenda in mind. The agenda of fear, control, and making a whole lot of money. There's a whole lot of money you can make with, with climate science and you can uh, fear, cause everybody to fear that we're all going to freeze or burn or whatever it is 
we're going to do on planets. Secondly, rewritten history. Rewritten history. I believe the teaching of history and the social sciences is one of the most important subjects children can learn. Because it forms the worldview of people about the nation in which they live in. And if it's written in a way to tear down or even to gloss over, it can change and corrupt the minds. History's been tampered with for years and years and years. The history most of us learned in school, it's not the history our children probably learned and certainly our grandchildren. This has been happening for years and years. Listen to this. This is from an article in the Federalist from this from June the 26th, a month ago today. How would you feel if the person teaching your children American history argued that the white race, or any race for that matter, is the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world? What if she claimed Christopher Columbus and those like him were no different than Hitler? And what if she concluded that the descendants of these savage people continue to be bloodsuckers in our communities? Well, unfortunately, these are not mere academic questions. The New York Times' Nicole Hannah-Jones has claimed them. The teaching of the New York Times 1619 Project, Hannah Jones' brainchild, are being incorporated into the curricula of classrooms across the country. 3,500 classrooms in America this year use the 1619 Project as some form of history teaching. Now, 1619, why is it called that? It marks the year that English colonists first brought African slaves to what later became Virginia. And Hannah Jones and her followers view that is America's true founding date. Not 1776 when we declared our independence from Britain, but 1619 because somewhere between 20 and 30 enslaved Africans were brought to Jamestown. Hannah Jones said that led America, that founded America in what is known she calls America is a slaveocracy. Not a democracy, a slaveocracy. And America has a legacy of racism and impression, uh, excuse me, and oppression that's been encoded in its nation's DNA. But it's just hidden in plain sight. So when people stand up and say, you know, the problem is systemic racism, it means it's in the system. What that means is you can't fix it unless you just tear the whole thing down and start over. So it's interesting, people who have been in charge for 20 years, say, well, it's systemic racism. I'm like, why don't you fire everybody that was a racist? Why do you keep hiring racists? Your people have been in charge. Your party's been in power for 50 years. How am I supposed to believe you had not had a chance to change it in 50 years? Why? Because it's a lie. This is just a cover. It's just a cover. Now, listen to me, parents. You need to find out what history your children are being taught at school. You need to look into the history your children are being taught. It may be time for some of you to look at Christian education or some form of, if you have small children who haven't uh, started school yet, you, need, you may need to be praying, how are we going to educate our children? Are we going to do it at home? Are we going to do it in a Christian school? What is our method? And certainly you need to look into what they're being taught. See, this is part of the poison that's caused a generation of people, young people, to hate America. Young white people out burning buildings because America is racist and taking pictures of it on their $1,000 iPhones. Thirdly, cultural propaganda. Cultural propaganda. The spreading, propaganda is the spreading of ideas, information, misinformation, or rumor for the purpose of helping or injuring an institution, a cause, or a, or, a, or a person. Now, it's political season. We're getting ads. That's propaganda. We're getting some propaganda, surely. But we live in a world that's in a culture war, and every day we face cultural propaganda. Now, listen to some of that goes on in our, in our places of learning. You know, in colleges and universities in America, not all, but some of the upper echelon, Students can study queer studies, gender studies, cultural studies, ethnic studies. Real, real, real Clear Politics wrote an article about this. 
And they said this, at a time when the nation is divided by identity politics, and this is back in January before all this mess started, including a movement to transform education in colleges and high schools through ethnic studies, which is an approach that emphasizes teaching about white oppression of minorities and their resistance to whiteness. Proponents of ethnic studies use the term whiteness to refer to the political, economic, and cultural power structure imposed by a dominant culture of white Europeans. But it doesn't just stop in colleges and universities or even in public schools workplaces are full of this businesses and colleges are full of this how so well this is what diversity training is becoming diversity training in businesses is becoming cultural propaganda many people are placed in businesses they 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 got a job they got to go through all this training and part of it is to brainwash people one of the leading proponents of this um cultural propaganda is a book entitled White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. Ironically, it's written by a a sociologist, anti-racist, white woman, Robin D'Angelo. And her thesis in the book, and she gets paid a ton of money to go around teaching this. Recently, she earned $12,000 teaching at the University of Kentucky for two hours. I'm like, listen, I took half of that to teach the truth. I'd have cut them a deal. They'd been better off for it. (laughs) But anyway, her thesis in the book is this. White people are racist. And they're fragile because often they reject that they're racist. And the more you reject that you're racist, the more racist you really are. This is the theory. You can't win. The wheels of the go round and round you know that's like that little that little rat on the wheel inside your your kid's cage that's what you feel like with this listen if they tell you you got to take this at work call in sick that day if you find out by any chance somebody's teaching this to your children find someplace else to go to school this is the type of material that teaches us such things as white privilege which people are going around there's debating it young people are debating it thank god some young people are waking up and realizing it's not true but there's a ton of people who go around talking about white privilege which means that societal privileges that benefit white people are not extended to non-white people poor white people don't have white privilege either they're just as poor as poor black people by the way only progressive liberal marxist black and white people and those they're indoctrinating believe in white privilege So the question is, how are whites privileged? Well, are whites privileged in the job market? Well, did you know it's legal to discriminate in America? Affirmative action is discrimination against white people, and it's legal. White males especially are often untouchable in the job market. You know, there are people who have been told, white men need not apply here. We can't hire you. You know, there are jobs in the government right now and in business right now that need to be filled, can't be filled because not enough minorities have applied. And the country, the company dare not hire a white person and get in trouble. This is sowing the seeds of dissension. This is what this does. What about our white people privileged in educational opportunities? Well, again, white people are often passed over for equal or less qualified minority candidates because we've got to get our number of minorities in the program are white people privileged because of their interactions with police I think so 16 unarmed whites were shot by police last year while nine unarmed blacks were shot by police that sounds like privilege to me doesn't it you Whites statistically do better than blacks financially and academically that must be privilege maybe but Asians statistically do better than whites financially and academically That sounds like white privilege to me too, doesn't it, you? See, this is cultural propaganda. Nobody wants to dig below the surface. Nobody wants to tell the truth. I'm a racist for doing it. Listen, I don't care. It's true. If you don't love the truth, this ain't the place for you. Cultural propaganda is being used to promote white guilt, black frustration, and keep us divided. 
Another indoctrination point is that the police are racist and evil and they're committing black genocide, which, by the way, has no, no basis in fact. There's no numbers you could find. You could study every police record in America and not be able to prove this. More people are upset over George Floyd's death than the hundreds who've been killed since then by the hands of civilians. More people are upset over that happening than the little babies getting shot in Chicago and Atlanta and Kansas City. More people are more still upset about that death than the fact that 18 police officers have been killed since that day. And thousands more have been harmed and injured and hurt and some may never recover. This anti-police propaganda has led to the rise of Black Lives Matter. I'm going to tell you right now, if you've given any money to Black Lives Matter, there's an altar open for you to repent. Now, the next two, fa the next two par uh, paragraphs are cut and pasted directly from their, their website. I don't want to paraphrase it. I want you to read it. These are just two of their beliefs. This is what they say they do. And you tell me if this is, sounds like Black Lives Matter to them. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure want to tear down the family the nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another especially our children to the degree that mothers parents and children are comfortable tear down the family how's it working that we that communities support one another with no fathers we got we already got case studies of that all across america it's called inner city listen to this this is a really blessed black people we foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he or she or they disclose otherwise. What does heteronormative thinking mean? It means that you think it's normal for people to be heterosexual, and you think it's abnormal for people to be anything else. Well, that's what God says. And even before I knew God, I, I, I knew that. I mean, I, somehow I was smarter than the rest, I know, but still. So how is any of this about black lives? Why doesn't black children getting shot in the head in Chicago, New York, and Atlanta, and here in Kansas City matter? Why? Because that's not their agenda. They are a Marxist propaganda group intent on destroying America and the systems and the structure that's made us. Their founders are openly admitted Marxists. And they've received billions of dollars in the last few weeks. Bank of America, I think, is going to give them a billion dollars. NFL is going to give them $250 million. Put their banners on the wall in, in the ballparks. Put their logo behind the pitcher's mounds that they're playing baseball, which nobody is in the stands because the baseball people are nuts. Where do these hundreds of billions of dollars go to? Well, to be honest with you, some of it's funneled to groups. The Democratic Party gets money from them. Planned Parenthood gets money from Black Lives Matter. Isn't that ironic? Planned Parenthood gets money. The biggest organized killer of black people in America gets money from, plan from Black Lives Matter. Propaganda. Indoctrination. Thirdly, intimidation. Now, once you have all the people in place and you have the message being spread to the message and you've created a group of useful idiots, which what these people on the street are and every group that's by the way every group that's look the term up every group that's ever overthrown anyway has always had useful idiots that's what they call them people who don't see the end they just see what's going on right there you can use them you can use their anger you can use their hatred you can use their their violence so once you get the message in place and you're spreading it to the masses and the masses are being indoctrinated and you get groupthink going and then you send out your forces to intimidate they shame and intimidate anyone who doesn't go along, any corporation, any group that doesn't buy into the rhetoric. And listen, it doesn't matter what color you are. This is where they will separate color. ESPN commentator Sage Steele, she hosts the, I believe it's the 6 p.m. Uh, sports center, which is their main sports center of the day. She's an African-American black young lady. She's a young black Christian young woman whose father was a retired Air Force colonel. She's patriotic and she's a Christian but she's not, she doesn't think properly enough for her Marxist black co-workers or her white liberal woke co-workers. So when they do a history, a study on what's going on with race relations in America, 
they leave out the black woman who is the main host of their main uh, TV show at night because she doesn't go along with the propaganda. The Redskins were boycotted by Nike and other countries, and they're so dumb, now they're just calling themselves the Washington football team. They, they, they don't know what to do. Drew Brees says, I won't kneel at the flag. His teammates come out crying, and, and he doesn't feel their pain. So now he punts. I thought Drew Brees was a quarterback, but I realize he's a punter. He's been punting ever since then. His wife comes out and says, we're the problem. I'm like, no, you're the problem because you're dumb, but you're not the problem. People who are threatening your life are the problem. They got death threats over this. You're a racist if you don't go along. You're a bigot and a hater if you don't recognize your privilege. And you're a sellout if you're black. Listen, we need to pray for our black brothers and sisters, our Christian black people that will not go along. Because they're going to face much more ostracization than you and I do. But folks, listen. The Marxists are on the march and the progressives are always progressing and they never are satisfied. So here's today, you need to understand this. It's not enough to be non-racist anymore. You have to be anti-racist. Now what does that mean? Well, listen to this. This is from the New York Post. School will be a very different place next year, obviously. If and when students go back, classes will be less full, desks will be rigorously sterilized. If the, if, and if the education establishment has it this way, teachers will be aggressively woke. This quote, we are living at a time of obscene inequities and merely trying to compensate is not enough. The American Association of School Administrators recently announced it's called on its members to become actively anti-racist and ensure that cultural responsiveness permeates all levels. Well, anti-racist sounds good, except you get to the bottom of what it means. It means you've got to partner with all these groups that are tearing down. You've got to identify with them. It's not enough to say I'm not a racist. I don't, I, I, I'm against racism. I don't, I, I, I don't want racism in my life. I don't want racism in my workplace. I don't want racism in my church. But you've got to be with the groups that are marching and the groups that are protesting, the peaceful protesters. See, this is what the looting and rioting is about. It's about intimidation. You intimidate the business people. You intimidate the sports people. And then you intimidate the average person who's trying to live their life and you destroy their cities. And why is this allowed? Well, again, we have corrupt, complicit people in office. We, other people who are not corrupt and complicit are weak and fearful. By the way, listen, politicians are having some of these people go to their house now and threaten them physically. Newscasters are having people show up at their house who don't put out the narrative. Corrupt, dishonest news media and the indoctrinated massive. Some people are still trying to determine if this, all this writing is okay. Is it justified? Immediately, if you have to determine that, it's, that it, you're trying to figure out if this is right or wrong, you have a moral problem. Number four, and finally, insurrection. This is the order. You get to this final point which is where we're heading, insurrection, an act of in, or instance of revolting against civil authority or an established government out of, to overthrow it. The, the theory of Marxism and others is this, you can create order out of chaos. You can't create order out of order, but you can create order out of chaos. So you tear down, you break down, you destroy, and then you get to rebuild. So the first step to doing that is to delegitimize the government. And one way to accomplish that is to undermine its principles by casting doubt on the character of those who founded it. So when Barack Obama goes to Mount Rushmore, it's great. When Bill Clinton went to Mount Rushmore, it was great. When Bernie Sanders, a communist, goes to Mount Rushmore a few years ago, it was great. When Donald Trump goes to Mount Rushmore, he's standing in front of a couple of slave owners. So you have to undermine the character of the, the founders then you begin to erase the memory of what they stood for, tear down the statues, tear down anything that, that reminds us of the principles in which they espoused. By the way, folks, there are times we have to face reality. I'm preaching a Bible that's greater than I am. I'm trying to live up to it. 
Bible's not denigrated because I can't completely live up to it, nor the principles of this nation because flawed men wrote them. And if you can erase it long enough and teach it away long enough, you'll have a generation one day that won't even realize it existed. Most people are going to watch TV and play video games and not do any study to figure anything out. This is how tyrants like Stalin and Mao totally changed their countries by destroying the memory of what was good about it. So in America, a few years ago, they started with, let's abolish ICE. Let's get rid of ICE. You know, they're, they're criminals. We don't want them in our city. We'll turn our city into sanctuary cities. We'll hide anybody that's illegal, and not all illegals are murderers. I don't, not all illegal immigrants are terrible, terrible people. But we don't need the government enforcing our immigration laws. Now it's moved to defund police. Why? Why defund police? Well, there's some basic reason. One, here's, here's a basic principle. Sinners never want restraint. It's, listen, if you raise children, sinners never want restraint. You don't have to go to seminary to learn this, man. But then you take these sinners, empowered by the devil, and they want all restraint gone. So mayors and governors pull back and let them do what they do. Sinners want to loot, and kill, steal, and destroy. Why? Because that's what their father wants. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And the insurrection is that anything they don't want, they want to destroy. Anything that can create chaos, anarchy, that's what they want. And anything that can bring order, they fight against it, whether it be propaganda, whether it be politicians who are undermining the very law enforcement that keep us safe, undermine it all. And folks, listen, if this Floyd case, and when it comes out, if that Floyd case in Minnesota isn't what they like, you can just get ready for it. If Trump wins in November, you can get ready for it. So what are we to do? Well, I gave you five things last week. I'm going to run through them very quickly. I'm going to add three more. What are we to do? Number one, we're to protect our thinking. Remember, we're to put on the helmet of salvation. Guard our minds. Don't let our thinking be corrupted. We're to guard our hearts. Don't let our emotions, our anger. Instead, ask God to make us more loving. Ask God to make us more peaceful. Ask God to make us his lights in this darkness that we would be the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's not necessarily going to be easy because we don't know what's coming Ask God to guard our hearts, though, and not let, let bitterness and anger uh, set up in our hearts. Number three, realize many are deceived. These passages we read this morning were read for this purpose. The devil deceives whole nations. He goes out into every nation and deceives people. He deceives many. Many people around us are deceived. They're well-meaning people. They're just deceived by the devil. Stand on and share truth. We need to share the gospel truth. The only hope for people. Folks, listen. The only hope for people is that we would snatch some from the flames. And we do that by the gospel. Number five, we pray, pray, pray. Listen, pray for America. When you get up in the morning, pray during the day and pray before you go to bed at night. Pray God can save us from the wrath to come and that we'd see a great revival. Number six, Trust in God's ultimate victory. This is right here in our text. Trust in God's ultimate victory. Notice what happens if you have your Bible still open in this passage in Revelation. I wanted to come back to it. There's this great war in heaven and Satan's cast out. How? Because God has come. Verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. The accuser, our brother, who accused him before our God day and night has been cast down. The only one who can cast down this demonic war is our God. The only one who can bring victory is our God. But listen, if God chooses to allow America to go the way of the dustbin of history, he's sovereign God. He's God over all. And listen, he still wins. And if you're on his side, you still win. 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. We have the victory in Jesus. This world is passing. You and I trust that our God is victorious. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. And we stand on his side. We put on the armor of light and we follow him. Trust in God's ultimate victory. Number seven. Overcome by a secure salvation and a shared testimony. How do we overcome all this? How will we get on the other side? Well, look at verse 11. Our salvation is secure. Nothing can change that. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. How do you overcome Satan? How do you overcome the world? How do you overcome the flesh? By a salvation that's secure in Jesus' blood. A salvation that knows that I'm saved because Jesus shed his blood on the cross for me. I have believed in him. I trust in him and him alone. Like we read in the psalmist, though the mountains be passed away, though the cities be upturned, our God is still God and I'm still saved and nothing can change that. Our sharing of the testimony of Jesus Christ, this world needs to hear. In the midst of all this turmoil, people who have a testimony of Jesus, we're not going to hate people, we're going to love people. We're not going to fret, we're going to pray, and we're going to stand, and we're going to be counted for the Lord, but our testimony is in Him and Him alone. Finally, dedicate our lives to Christ's kingdom. Notice this, at the end of this, verse 11, and they did not love their lives to the death. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's good to be happy in Jesus. It's good to be secure, believing he died for us. But these people were willing to give their lives for him. Their faithfulness extends all the way to death, and they will pay the price for their loyalty to Christ. I used to tell you all the time, we probably won't face persecution unto death, but who knows in this climate. Go read about China in the mid-1960s and that revolution. People who thought they wouldn't face it either, within a couple of years, a million and a half of them were dead. I'm not telling you what's going to happen. I'm just telling you, God is asking us, and I'm asking you, have you laid down your life to Christ? Does your life belong to Him? Do you love your life, or do you not love it to the death? Many Christians in America are playing games at the foot of the cross. And all sorts of speculation about what the church is going to look like when all this comes out. We missed a couple of months of attending worship and a lot of lukewarm people aren't that excited about getting back to worship. And uh, we go to the ball fields and pack them out. We go to work, but we can't come to the house of God. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. This is, this is child's play compared to when you have to stand and your life's at risk. This is child's play to where you have to take a stand and the people who rule the thought, the, the group think and have all the control will slaughter people. And it happens all around the world. Look at China this week. They're telling people to renounce their Christian faith or they're going to take their resources. They're going to take their life. It's happening in China right now. So are we dedicated to Christ's kingdom? Many Christians think they're pretty good Christians and actually they're pretty sorry church members. It's time that the church dedicates ourselves to God and His kingdom. To offer our bodies a living sacrifice to Jesus. These people going down in glory, the last thing said about them is they didn't love their life to the death. Even when death came, they wouldn't deny Him. Some of you listening today, maybe the internet, um, Facebook, YouTube, You've not overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The first step is to realize that your religion won't save you, your good life won't save you. Even believing everything I said today, it's all true, yeah, I agree. But if you've not overcome by the blood of the Lamb, you're being overcome. Have you been saved? Have you repented? Have you knowledge to God you're a sinner and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, Him and Him alone? Have you received Him by faith and said, Here I am, Lord, save me, forgive me. Today you need to do that. Let's bow for prayer this morning.